Monday, everybody. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Like the videos. Any other places, too. Yeah, all those places. And make sure you read the criteria because we score MMA fights and you should know that. Once in a while, we do. And when I say once in a while, I mean like once a week. Once a week. Yeah. I mean, that's once in a while. You know, there's six other days where we're not doing that. Not always. Yeah, that's not true. But some days there's nine days in between. There's just only... <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. And then sometimes, <laughs> you know, we're just... Usually what I really mean here, sir, is that, of course, we only talk about it on our program seven, uh, seven days a week apart. Unless, again, yeah, sometimes you go to Vegas. Yeah, I wish I went more often. <laughs> you could move there. You know what? Maybe one day I probably will. You pro- you're going to end up in Vegas, you Maybe, think? yeah. Yeah? One day. All right. We shall see. You know, before we get on uh, on the business at hand for this this weekend's uh, UFC event, I do want to circle back, Dan, real quick to last week uh, with PFL. You didn't even fill me in on this. So this I didn't fill you. It's all brand new to nah, me. Yeah, I didn't fill you in, but I just wanted, I, I figured I would just bring this up. This was um kind of in, in light of some conversations I've had since then, right? So what I'm referring to specifically from the PFL championship event uh, last weekend is the event we spoke about where one of the judges, uh, Jaron Vallel, came to the seat at the beginning of the Jesus Pinedo versus Gabriel Braga fight for the featherweight championship. Looked like right before the fight started, right? And as I understand it, it's because that seat was not occupied by the judge who was originally assigned to be there, which ended up being Doug Crosby, who did come to his seat later on, subbed in. I guess you could call it, between rounds one and two. Which, as we spoke about, not in and of itself a crazy occurrence for one judge to take the seat of another. Usually, from my understanding, the protocol would be that happens when there's a health event involved, which my understanding is there was not in this particular case. But one thing that, again, from some conversations I had with with some officials since since we recorded our show, since our show published and, and all that, is... How much a lot of officials who, you know, caught wind of this situation and understand this situation really thought uh, what Jaron Vallel did was like such a heads up, big saving move because, again, the seat was basically empty up until that point. He identifies it and immediately gets over there and saves the day, basically. Okay. And that was kind of the thing. I don't know if we had talked about clear enough here because I don't think I had a good full understanding from talking to, to you know, more officials as I could, you know can't talk to everybody right um but that was something that a lot of people really appreciated about the situation was just how much of like it was it really was like a big save and that jaron Vallel kind of saved the day in that scenario so he just saw an empty seat and was like oh someone's got to sit there that's my understanding yeah and if no but if no one did they wouldn't have started the fight i mean presumably not but what would they do <laughs> you know well the refs got to acknowledge acknowledges all yes the yes of course so he doesn't see one right start the fight of course but and then be like, oh, I need a judge. And then I guess that is how it's supposed in. to be done. I would I would assume uh, Fernando Yamasaki was the referee in this case. I would assume he would have caught that. But <laughs> let just what about, even if he does does catch it, what we have now is we have to say, OK, now we have to find a judge to sit in here. Somebody's got to yeah. sit in there. So then it identifies that situation yeah. broadly. It makes the commission look bad. It makes the officials look bad. And you know how much the MMA community frowns upon officials doing anything other than being sterling right um it would not be a good look to be fair 
it absolutely would not. But uh, but again, that whole situation was avoided because, as I understand it, General Valel saw that was a situation that needed to be addressed and just sprung into action and, and coordinated with other officials to make sure everything was good. Well, that's good on him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that that was really the only thing. Still that should I, have I been his to... whole fight. Well, I would agree. I would agree that at that point, that's really how it ought to be. And it'd be really nice for something like that to be like codified in the rules or something. You know, like it, no matter what happens, like there's no reason that we need to give up the seat unless, again, there is a health situation. <laughs> if there is nothing that necessitates a switch, that person should stay. And that sh- I feel I feel like something like that should be like. Very specifically on the books, if it is not already, which I understand it not to be. He should have he should have deboed Doug Crosby. It's my fight now. <laughs> that would have been good. That would have been good. I feel like in a situation like that, it's like you, there's only so much you can do, right? Because you can't figure this out forever. You can't sit there and argue about it. So it might just be simpler to just give it up. And in one of those, I'm I'm speculating here, but I imagine it was something along those lines. Like he's he's in that seat. You can see Doug Crosby hovering behind him. So I have to imagine there was some form of communication there. Uh, it couldn't have been easy to get to that seat either. There are a lot of people in the way to get there. So um, there, there's clearly some determination to have gotten this job done. Um, and I imagine it was one of those things that just in the moment, you just make that decision and say, okay, sure, take it. Um, but again, the entire situation was saved from being a bigger thing by the sheer fact of this fight ending in the third round. So fortunately, Bullet dodged. But hopefully the lesson that comes out of this is, hey, let's have a real protocol in place here. You're not there at the start, finish it unless you can't. Mm-hmm. That That's how it ought to be. Um, but again, that, that was, that was really the one thing about that particular oh, okay. situation I just wanted to bring to light was, was how much that is viewed in the officiating community as, as man, look what Jaron did. That was heads up. That, that was, was good. good play. So, uh, that was really it. All right. That was, yeah. Good on Jaron. Sure. On to this week's events though, from, uh, UFC Austin, which Austin being a city in Texas, we are conditioned to worry about what's going to happen when the UFC hits Texas and when the fights hit the scorecards. We got lucky in two ways. Number one, most of these fights did not hit the scorecards. A lot of finishes. We had a whole lot of finishes. It was highly entertaining. But number two, overall, we just didn't have like a terribly judged event. It was perfectly normal, I think. Um, I got a beef with one. I understand, but it, oh. I know I know the one we're talking about here, and we will get to that. But it, we don't have a situation where oh, I got a beef turned, with two. Then, but we don't. If you know, if you know the one, I don't think you know the other. Maybe, maybe, but but we don't have a situation where someone turned in like a bad scorecard that like the wrong person almost won, right? Or am I wrong here? Oh, I guess. Well, ah. I, hey, all right, maybe I'm speaking ah. out of turn. Uh, Dan and I did not communicate about this particular part before the show. So yeah, I guess I'm looking forward to seeing what you have to say. Uh, I would say this. I don't think we have had nearly as bad a situation for this event as we've had in previous situations. Oh no. I, yeah. I would agree. I, I, I would agree with there. Let's put it this way. Is this high on the, on the list of, uh, Texas events? No, no. This, no, this one would fly on the high, radar. high in quality. Uh, fights. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Oh. And, and the judging. Oh, as far as Texas goes. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Great. Great on the Texas curve. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, this will be like the tone setting one, right? <laughs> but the, you know, of course, the the main fight from this card that we're going to be talking about is Armin Sarukian. Main event does not go past sixty five. It was sixty four seconds officially. Um, gets the the knockout of Benil Dariush. Big win, huge win, biggest of his career by far. Um, he's now in the mix at one fifty five, dude. 
Book him, in, book him in the other top fights now. What do you, what do you want to see next for these guys? All right. Well, Benil's unfortunately out of the mix. He's definitely out of the mix uh, at this moment for sure. I would do. So let's do do the, Let's do it this way. Title fight. What's the next title fight? Title you fight. You want? Okay. I don't care about what's going to happen. What oh, do you want next? Oh, that's easy. Uh, Jim versus right, Islam. Fine. I should have. I should have. Uh, I should have done something different here. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what you were going to do when I said it. I'm like, darn it, this guy. All right, Gaethje Islam. Thank you. That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> something along those lines. I think. I think I'm with you. All right, so let's let's say let's let's put that one out there. What do you do with Armin Sarukia next? I mean, Michael Chandler's got to fight someone, right? Is he hurt? Is he... I think I he's just waiting for him. Conor McGregor. That's never they're, they're, just pretend they're like in a different. All world. right, so pretend pretend Chandler and McGregor are both. Ch- Chandler's losing a bunch of fights anyway. Sarukian should be fighting someone on the way up, or at least who's like yeah, already well, up he's there. ahead of him. Uh, guess go Dustin. Dustin Sarukian. I actually like that fight a lot. I think that's a really good fight. Um. Although I wouldn't hate, I'm going to go another way. Actually, I'm going to say Armin Sarukian against Charles Oliveira because they both have uh, finishes of Benil Darius recently, and I think the winner yeah, legitimately could be the the next title shot. It would be very easy. No one would say, argue it otherwise, especially if you're already putting Gaethje there. I mean, this is this division so tough to avoid rematches. Sure. Yeah, I, I like that. Neither Sarukian or and Oliveira or or Poirier. Mm-hmm. I think I'm with that too. And then yeah, I, I, I guess. Uh, Who'd you say? Poirier, right? You, Poirier, so I, yeah. I left Poirier out of that mix then. So I would say probably Poirier against, I don't know. What do you, what do, you do with Poirier? He says we, he only wants the stuff that interests him, right? Yeah, that's true. But so let's mean, just pretend he's going to be interested in what we say. We, we uh, think interests him. It would be a rematch, right? Which one? Any of them would be some. Like you would get up for the Oliveira fight. Well, we already booked Oliveira. Uh, then, yeah, well, then all you have, I mean, Matush Gamera, I don't think he gets excited for that. Probably not. Well, Fiziev. I don't think he gets excited for that either. He should. That's a fun fight. It's a fun fight for so us. So I'm booking but, it. But it's a fight that, it, that it's not going to push him any further, really. Well, let's let's just pretend that we've offered that fight, and if he turns it down, we have to extend their contract. And, and, and if he doesn't take it, then we'll put him on the prelims against a really hard guy. Yeah, why don't we do that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is getting ugly. <laughs> that's, that's, Joe, I, I, I was never a fan of Joe Silva. Yeah. But it's just he's just becoming more and more unlikable. This is this is basically everything that I had been hearing about Joe for a while. It's just now we're seeing it. It's like, kind of like the proof of it. Like we've seen text messages get released, sure, before where he like the guy's like twenty. He's like, I'll offer you eighteen and eighteen, and he's like, Oh, I want twenty four and twenty four, and his response is LOL. <laughs> <laughs> things like that. It's like, oh, yeah, right. yeah. No, it's just, I mean that's what I'm saying though. This is kind of on brand, right? Yeah. Um, as far as Dariush, though, kind of move on a bit. What what's the deal with him now? I mean, did he miss his window to reach the title shot? Like, because now he's lost two in a row. He missed it because they wouldn't let him take it. Sure, and so, I understand that. What I'm saying is, like, is this gone now? Did did the opportunity just move on? It's gone. It's not gone. not that there was an opportunity there, but like the even the the chance at the opportunity, it seems gone too. I I agree. I'm with you. you can finish twice. Yeah. You, you, I think I think he back. would have to go on such an insane run. Or just be a body that's available when they need them like the most. Mm-hmm. Like he he just happens to be there and almost on weight and they're in a disaster scenario and it's like, well he could he could credibly step in, sure. We know he's been up there for a while. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think I think he definitely And again that he didn't miss anything in terms of he passed on it. He just he kinda got skipped over and he waited his turn and eventually it just didn't happen. I think you can right. do I think you do Jalen Turner versus him. Interesting. I think you can get Turner. Okay, maybe you can make that step into the top ten. And for Darius, you know, it's a, a step down in competition. I don't hate that. So 
maybe a get right fight for you possibly if you can you can win I, i'm sure there's other fights that i would find interesting for jalen turner as well but I, I don't hate that idea well good i think i'm with you i'll go with you for now yeah Ten, you have my tentative seal of approval. Okay, just yeah. a tentative, just a tentative one. I got to do my due diligence. Got to check right. it out. Um, Davison Figueredo, though, Looked he was good. not the co-main here, but I mean, he was he is the most recent man on this event to have won a championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Essentially, we had two former champions on this card. Neither of them were in the uh, the main or the co-main. That was weird. I did. You know what? I did think of that when that happened. I said, "Why is this not the co-main?" I mean, then I started thinking, I started remembering, what even is the co-main? <laughs> and then I, I, I didn't bother looking it up, but... And, and what fight was that, by the way? It was, uh, I'll, well, I'll let you t- tell it, because uh, it's your fight. It, it is, it is. And they they were calling it, uh, and, and I hate to beat a dead horse, because everybody was hearing about this all week, the fight for Fontana. <laughs> They've been calling this the fight for Fontana, ad nauseum. I know people are getting tired of it, but it's true. It was the fight for Fontana. Uh, Jalen Turner against Bobby Green. Both fighters introduced us from Fontana, fighting out of Fontana, California. Yeah, your hometown. Mm-hmm. My hometown. Named for me. <laughs> I've never been there, but I know I I feel I feel proud to have a town named specifically for me. Do you feel proud that your pizza in your town is terrible? No, you I shouldn't. Don't, be, I don't yeah. feel proud of that. Cal- California be. pizza is no good. No. Yeah, California Pizza Kitchen isn't. You ever been there? Years and years ago. I will say, like, look, it, it's it's like a fine place to go if you literally don't care about pizza and you just need food. I guess, yeah. Yeah, that's like that's where you would go and you just say to yourself, like, I, I'm not, I'm kind of sad and I don't mind what I eat at all right now. I guess we can go to it's California like Pizza Subway. Kitchen. Yeah, so I, I like I ordered Domino's today. You know why I ordered Domino's? You wanted Domino's. Well, that was part of it, but also they gave me a free pie. I had points. Yeah, but we've, that were going to expire. We've, we've discussed this. Though. Yeah, I know. We've we talked about that in audience. Domino's course. is Domino's. It's, if you wanted pizza, you would have gotten from a regular pizza parlor. And we, of course, so, do- predominantly do that. But once in a while, you're like, it'd be fun to have some Domino's. Yeah, you know, they've got cheesy bread now. They got stuffed cheesy bread, I should say, that has uh, pepperoni in it now. Mm. That's new. Wasn't bad. Who would have thought that'd be new? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a little surprised how long it took them to think of that, too. Um, anyway, I want to get back to Davis Figueredo because he is neither good pizza nor bad pizza. But he's a damn good fighter. Um, great win over Rob Font. Yeah. Where, where do we put him now? Because that Bantamweight, I think, for a while seemed like it really ought to be his home. I, obviously, he could still make the weight, and he was fantastic at, at flyweight. But I, I think he's better off health-wise and... So many faders do fantastic once they move up. He has a chance to chase that two division title as well. It's going to be hard to do that at his age. He's he is older, um, and lightweight fighters don't necessarily have as long a shelf life. But he's in the mix now. He's yeah. at least in the deeper mix, and this is a deep division. But how many fights should he have to win to get a bantamweight title shot? I think he's only going to have to win one. You think so? Uh, I think, and it'll probably be against Corey Sanhagen when he's healthy. I like that fight. That's a uh, good fight. Because Al- and I think it's deserving. I think you're right. Right. Aljo's leaving 35 to go to 45. That's what he said. Yeah, he said uh, he wants to go to 45, and he's calling out uh, Max Holloway. That's his, that's what he's gunning for. Okay. So me- Although I wouldn't hate him against Figueredo either. I think that would be a fantastic yeah, fight. But, but it, yeah, it doesn't sound like too. he's sticking around. And I do think if he does stick at 35... That's a fight that should interest him. It's a former champion. He would. He. I think he. He did mention. Well, he mentioned that he inspired him to go up. Oh, okay. actually. Okay. Um, due to his performance tonight. Sure. Sure. Okay. 
Um, so you have Mirab versus O'Malley for the red jacket, mm-hmm. and you know Cejudo and F- Figueroa train together. So well, they, they well you're writing each other. You're already writing off uh, Marlon Vera against. He's right there. Yeah, but he's fighting uh, uh, Sean O'Malley. That already is booked. Oh, they booked. I didn't know they booked. They that. did. They did a face off in Newark or in New York. Excuse me, when we were there. I just don't follow the news anymore. Sorry, buddy. It just doesn't interest me. No, oh, should just asked me. I was there. I thought I did ask you. You didn't tell me anything. No, not true. I tell you everything. I asked. I tell you every little detail, especially about the fight for Fontana. It's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, so they're actually doing it. So they are doing that. That's in March. Getting, oh. That's in March. Oh, so far away. So now, now we have to work with that and say, okay, what do we do from here? Uh, but I do think you're right. I do think he could only need to necessarily win one more. And I like Sanhagen. And well, he, he's getting punished. Of, That's why I'm saying Sanhagen. I don't think he is being punished, though. They, they, they did not like that fight at all. They didn't, but Dana seemed to be okay with it. He kind of like, he wasn't like throwing him under the bus like he often does. And that's not really his style to not throw him under the bus unless he has reason, you know. So I, I'll take him at his word here, which is, is, a, is a leap. But <laughs> I, I, my understanding is that Corey does not want to fight uh, Umar again. He, he, that, that fight, he okay. feels like Umar kind of missed the boat. So he'd rather just move on from somebody else. And I do like the idea of Figueredo versus Sanhagen because the winner of that legitimately looks like someone who would be a credible mm-hmm. title challenger. But then again, I would hate for Marab Tavalashvili to be skipped over. But Marab's supposed to be fighting Henry Cejudo, isn't he? Do I understand that right? I mean, it all makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't I didn't know Vera was scheduled to get the next shot. That's true. You've been out of the So loop. I didn't know they wanted to rerun that fight back. And uh, we, might get, we might get the same result. Which one? O'Malley and Vera. I don't like a rematch so quick like mm-hmm. that. I guess it isn't official yet, but it did sound like they were trying to do him and Cejudo. If not, I mean, honestly. I'm th- no, I like, I like Mirab and Cejudo. I think that's a good fight. But imagine if they don't do that. What about Mirab against... And you got me calling him Mirab. That's not how it is. Anyway. It's Mirab. It's Mirab. M-E-R-A-B. Mirab. <laughs> um, Mirab, you Rob. I, I like him against Figueredo as well, because the, the winner of that is easily a contender, too. I think that'd be a perfectly fine fight. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good fight, too. There's, there's like almost like no bad fights you can do, because there's so many fresh fights, of course, for Figueredo. And again, he's the former champ, so it really shouldn't take him long to go up again, uh, to get up to that point. Again. No, that's, one fight. That's, yeah. One win. I think, I think we're united here. Well done, sir. Good job. Yeah. Uh, I want to circle back, though, to the fight for Fontana, because I feel like we should probably be dominantly talking about this fight. Just uh, forget the rest. This is all we're talking about. Hey, we're no, contested rounds is canceled this week. We're only talking about this fight. Well, the re- there is an actual uh, CSJ adjacent related uh, uh, reason to be talking about this fight, sir. It's the way it ended. Yeah. Jalen Turner, of course, got the win here, as we as we mentioned. Uh, convincing win over Bobby Green. I don't think anyone's wondering... Oh, did he really beat him or not? He really beat him. He really beat Bobby Green so much that Kerry Hatley allowed him to eat, I don't know how many punches, uh, past the point of maybe good taste. Uh, probably like 15 too many. It was it was a lot too many. I mean, there was there was a point where like he's still moving around a bit, and it was looking rough, but they let it go, and it's like, okay, you can kind of understand the way sometimes it's like, you know, Dominic Cruz would be sitting there being probably still sitting there now saying like, I don't know, probably should have given him a few more. Yeah. Ref's got to give him chances. <laughs> Ring rust isn't real. Um, but Kerry Hatley, the referee here, definitely allowed him to take one or two shots. Bobby Green, where he basically was limp. Um, that was that was pretty ugly. I think he got knocked out three times. He got knocked out a lot. 
He yeah. certainly wouldn't be complaining about not getting enough chances there, and and he certainly wasn't. Um, he he did a, like an Instagram video afterward, and he was he was saying you know got to live with the essentially you got to live with the losses and live with the wins the same way. So it doesn't seem like he's kind of hung up on anything about it. But yeah, that was that was a tough one to watch. I've never seen a fighter say complain about getting too long of a leash. Yeah, I've never seen. I can't imagine they would. That. At least not you know while they're still fighting. Maybe one day they'll look yeah. back and be like. That changed my life. He took a beating. He took a real beating. There. That was that was definitely probably could have ended it after something. the one shot that sent him to the ground. Yeah, I mean, I think you probably could. Yeah, look, Kerry Hatley is not. He's not a bad ref. No, you know, he's not. Um, I don't know why in Texas they insist on saying like make sure he gets a couple of judging assignments too whenever the UFC comes to town. But it's what they do. Texas be Texas. But uh, this was rough. This was very rough. I hope it doesn't necessarily become like an overcorrection kind of thing. But hey. Maybe once we just see the limpness, that's it. End, end, end. Can we I, just end I it? I think so. And, and, and that's what I would hope would happen next time. So. You know what's funny? All the people that are calling for him to never ref again okay. don't even know his name. No, they don't. They're like, that ref, whoever that was, should never ref again. Yeah. As if Kerry Hatley's like some unknown guy. Well, if you, like, don't, if you don't pay attention to the names of the refs, he is an unknown guy. But he definitely well, does a lot of assignments. He does a ton of fights. His na- his face should be, if nothing else, his face should look familiar if you te- if you regularly watch. And if you're watching UFC Austin, you regularly watch. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You know basically, what I didn't like? If you watch anything between a pay-per-view, you are a regular UFC fan. You know what I always. didn't yeah. like? What's up? Joe Rogan was in the crowd. He was, yeah, because he lives in Texas. Now. And, Austin, he lives in Austin. Yep, yeah, and not replacing Brendan Fitzgerald. <laughs> But he wouldn't replace Fitzgerald. He would replace. I don't. No, we're changing it. We're just going three color guys. That's it. <laughs> Bisping can take point. Uh, and that's it. Yeah, but I, I don't. I don't know that it would go well. It would have been fantastic. I don't think it's going to go well, my friend. I would have loved it. Yeah. But here's the thing: when you have three former fighters or former, uh, I guess he's not a former fighter. So I'll, I'll take it back. Never mind. I'm going to just pretend I didn't say that. Okay. Yeah. Well, Joe's a former fighter, ish. Sir, no. Not an MMA fighter. We have Taekwondo fights. Sure. Fine. Then you got Bisping. We're, you when got we're DC. talking about fighter in this context, you know what I mean, sir. Oh. A, a mixed martial arts competitor. Oh, okay. He is not that. Unless you have played the UFC video game, in which case he is. You can play as Joe Rogan? Not in this one, but in past oh. ones I'm pretty sure he was in. Oh. Um, You can play as Dana in this one. Interesting. Yeah. He's rated higher than several fighters. Is he God mode? No. Oh. He, but he's like, he's got a four star rating, whereas there are fighters who have three and a half and three. Mm-hmm. What's Jim Miller? Uh, seven, I believe. Seven okay. out of five. They got it right. I'm almost, I'm almost positive. I was it's seven just out of confirming five. that they got it right. Yeah. Um, and then who else? Bruce Buffer's in it. <laughs> yeah. Bruce is a longtime martial arts practitioner. He is a much more viable candidate to be in this game than Dana White. Sure. Let's move on to the judging though. Starting with the unanimity report from UFC Austin, we had 16 rounds in all, 12 of them were unanimous for a 75% rate. That is perfectly solid. You like to see it. Doesn't necessarily work out that way all the time from Texas. And two of the four were 8-9 splits. So most of the time they were on the same page of the round. At least we have that. Let's talk about those four rounds. And I think what I want to do, if you're cool with it, my friend, is lead with the two 8-9 splits. Sure. They're all, every round is in a different fight. We didn't have any fights where it was like two or three rounds at least. So let's lead. And this was a fight you were looking forward to. Sean Brady against Kelvin Gastelum. Brady. What? It's funny that you say that. Because I was looking forward to this fight. And then they start doing the walkouts. And I'm like, wait a minute. Michigan's on. (laughs) And I changed the channel. Because 
I only had one TV going for this. So I was like, I'm yeah, gonna, why'd you know, do that? I'm going to be watching the Big Ten Championship. Why, why'd you have one TV and going on the one day where there's hang- a billion conference was, championships and fights? Because I was hanging out with the dog and I couldn't trust him by himself. Uh-huh. And I didn't want to lock him up. But why? So, oh, so you watched on the one. So I TV. watched on the. On, oh, I see. Up, outside yeah, of your normal. Outside of the normal. Your, your normal yeah. man cave. I got you. Yeah. All right. Now that makes more sense. That is hilarious, though. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but now, of course, Sean Brady. Again, you weren't looking forward to this fight. I was. Um, Sean Brady gets the win. Round three submission via Kimura. I'm actually shocked this fight happened. Oh well, yeah, I know you are because yeah. you always think Kelvin Gastelum is just not going to show up because of the weight, sir. He'll always show up. Show he might up. weigh 180 for a 170, but he'll show up. But also getting hurt too. <laughs> Not even making it to weigh-ins. Fair enough. Well, he made it to weigh-ins. He made it to the fight. He didn't make it the distance. But well, round two, all three. But round two along the way, we do have uh, a debate over the degree to which he absorbed uh, uh, Sean Brady's will. So let's talk about round two. Yeah, Brady got like an almost instant takedown. It seemed like Gaston slipped a little bit. Um, and after that, it's just all him. Uh, there really isn't much damage this round, but he does land you know some decent shots, some ground and pound. Has... Gastelum on the defensive the entire time. Moving from mount to back, back to mount. Kelvin can't do anything, can't escape. 100% defensive. Uh, Damage just wasn't that high, but I do think we have high dominance, high duration. I think it's an 8. I like an 8 here too, but for the reasons you mentioned, for the reasons that we talk about each week, damage is not really easily checked here. And I can understand why, with the rules we have as written as they are and applied as they have been, um, especially, I get why this can just be a nine. Mm-hmm. I went eight like you. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, it, it's one of those ones that you really just kind of have to have a philosophical uh lean to go that way in this particular case. Um, not in all cases, but this particular case, they're they're all obviously on a case by case basis. So, but yeah, I went the nine. I'm, I'm excuse me, I went the eight I, just like you. I, I I'm comfortable with it. It just doesn't strike me as a round where it's like Brady's kind of just you know, holding on or something like that with his dominance and his duration, which is, if I feel like that should be the key difference maker when we're talking about if dominance and duration are checked, but not damage. Is this a round where somebody was get, gotten to the back, for example, and just kind of held on? Or is it a round where there is an effort made to do more with that? You may not be getting there, but you're very clearly making the way through. And, and effort isn't necessarily something you should be rewarding t- technically in the criteria but when it comes to grappling it almost it almost have to read into that a little bit am i wrong i i i get where you're going i have a little tweak okay i think i think if you do get to the back you're in the most dominant position there's no reason to advance beyond that sure but 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 what if you're not attacking subs and you're not throwing in punches and things like that what if it's truly just like a ride so like randy and and sylvia i guess kind of like that yeah I guess yeah, that's really that's where it gets them. trickier, right? Yeah, and then you got to you got to factor in: is the guy even trying to escape? Sure, is he just is he just holding tight and waiting for the round. If it's a stalemate, like, this doesn't feel like a dominant round. You know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't feel like a round that's that's such that okay, this person's trying to earn the. Eight. I think Brady's trying to earn the eight, and I think he, he was. Actually, yeah. I, I think because of that, and because it just doesn't look like a round where Gauslem does anything. I think I feel much more comfortable with getting that B and eight in this case. Mm. And I would like, again, this is very complex, right? I feel like the eight needs to be more complexly worded in so many different ways so that we can not have to account for every situation, but but we should be a little more uniform in the way we can apply it to, to a round like this, I think. I, I think this ought to be an eight. 
I think we ought to be able to get this one in eight. But I can understand why, even in that, even if that, this could still be more of a borderline one. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we went against the majority here. Uh, that was a 10-9 for Brady from Judges Patrick Patland, the local judge from Texas, who we've uh, been unfortunate to have talked about before. But in this case, yeah, it's more of a philosophical difference. <laughs> so that's fine. Sal D'Amato agreed with Judge Patland. Plenty of respect for Judge D'Amato. Not a problem there. But we went with Chris Lee. What does that mean for Judge Lee? Couch side over. It's a good one for Chris Lee. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, uh, the 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 siren. That came out really good. I was proud. You did, yeah. You blew, I was proud blew of up my eardrums. Yeah. Good, good. That's yeah. good. I hope I did that to my listeners, too. Yeah. Um, see you later. It was nice having you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> slash sorry. Um we got we got one more 10 8 uh, 9 split to talk about and this is involving the other champion former champion on the card Misha Tate who was the I guess you could call the featured prelim but when we're talking about prelims that lead into more network aired or televised not on pay-per-view aired it's kind of goofy to call it the featured prelim it's just another prelim I don't know why they didn't put this card up anywhere Misha Tate got the win over Julia Avila another round 3 submission here this one via rear naked choke Total domination, total lopsidedness, I should say, throughout this fight for Misha Tate until she gets the finish. Round one, we're actually talking about the 8-9 here, so why are we? Well, it's one-way traffic, like you said. Mm -hmm. Misha, immediately on a double, ends up against the fence for a while before getting it down to the ground. She's landing some good punches. She has that one hook in. She's landing some, you know, elbows here and there. Uh, Finally puts both hooks in, gets the body triangle, starts landing some good damaging shots, elbows, punches, sometimes, you know, threatening the choke. I think we got complete domination, all three Ds. Uh, this needs to be an eight. I guess I can sort of, and, and I, I'm very begrudging on this one. It's hard for me to say it, but I'll do it. The damage one is the one that's the closest to not being there. I think that's probably fair to say, right? If, yeah. If the, the, last, the last one you get to go over the hump is the damage, I think. Sure. Um, but I still there. think it's there. I think it's there. I'm, I'm yeah. with you. I don't, I don't want to like, I don't want to misconstrue it. I'm very much with you. This is an eight, but the damage is the one that's a little closer. But this is a round that, like, you know, I'm talking about, like, kind of that effort to, like, do more with. Misha Tate is very much doing stuff with with these dominant positions. She's getting the mm-hmm. back, and she's mixing in hard strikes, right? Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing that you really, if I'm coaching a fighter, and they get that position, and you don't know that you have that submission there, I'm screaming, elbow the heck out of their head. Just, just, just smash their head. Make it look real good for those judges so that when they're sitting there saying, do I give the eight or the nine? And I might be able to make a difference in this particular round. If it goes to the cards and it ends up being close fight, I might salvage a majority draw or or, or Mm -hmm. even somehow a a unanimous draw. Mm -hmm. Might salvage something like that where it could have been a loss. You gotta preach that, I think, to your fighter. And she's doing it here. She absolutely does it. And obviously, there was no doubt about who won this fight. Mm -hmm. She won all the rounds, and she won this one two out of three, getting an eight. But I really love that she's putting all the effort in to try and go the extra mile. Mm -hmm. That's what you want. And it is definitely disappointing to see that Judge Chris Lee, and this fight happened earlier than the Brady fight, right? Exactly. Did not go eight. He gave a nine here. When later on he gives the eight, and again, and again, that context is is definitely a key to understanding. Hey, how can this kind of thing happen? But at the same time, it's like, man, what were you looking for? What'd you want? Yeah, I don't know what else she needed I don't, to do. I don't know that we need this to be a true beatdown. There's nothing. Julia Avila. I, I made a, a a snide comment to you as I was watching the round, right? Because I was we were I was watching these rounds with you. 
later on. I was like, oh, look, the, the stats on the screen. Hey, there's her one significant strike. This was like with like nine seconds to go in the round mm-hmm. uh, from Julia Avila. So not only did she do basically nothing, she was dominated the entire round. And she got her head punched in and elbowed in for much of it, too. So and, and there's 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 definitely a clear effort to reach dominant grappling positions, positions where Misha Tate is delivering uh, strikes and imposing her will. So I, I'm I'm just not sure what we're looking for here. If this isn't an E. And part of this is, hey, listen, we talk every week about how we can't get an agreement kind of thing about what an 8 and what a 9 are. But if anybody's going to know, if anyone is going to be on the same page, you would think, as an outsider, that Sal D'Amato and Chris Lee, who work together extremely frequently, would be on the same page here. And in both cases, they were on opposite sides. And while we disagreed with the one, that was a more borderline case from Judge D'Amato. This one is clear. This one's, I think, pretty obvious. And Judge D'Amato agreed with Judge Mike Beltran, who did not referee, just judged. Why? Because, <laughs> I don't know, it's okay. Why? Would you have rather it been Doug Crosby, who no, has but, worked in Texas before? But we had the one guy who doesn't judge as often, is known as a ref. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know what? You're not refing, you're judging. I That's don't know. It. Meanwhile, you got two guys doing double duty. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I can't tell you. But- I can tell you that he definitely judged this correctly as an eight, I think. Yeah. And I don't think Chris Lee did. And and I think that's unfortunate. This has been like, this is just continuing a trend that we've seen from Chris Lee all year of very inconsistent eights and nines and sevens <laughs> and sevens. Can't forget that. He is. This his is, compass is all thrown off. It and it's is. probably because they get different information everywhere they go. But I think, I think, it, I don't think it, you're wrong, they, but also I think that a judge like, like Chris Lee or a judge like Sal D'Amato or a Ron McCarthy, or somebody who travels, someone who judges frequently, judges someone who's licensed in Nevada or California, and they work with kind of those influencing commissions, right? I think they take their understandings with them wherever they go, and no matter what their guidance is, unless it's, hey, you don't do it this way, you're fired, I'm pretty sure they're just going to judge it the same way. And I don't imagine they're going to get that ultimatum, and it would be a hard one to prove. So I don't get it. I, I just don't know. At least we're getting eights in Texas. I feel like for a long time we just that was like frowned upon. Even the even the local judge, uh, Patrick Patland, in the last fight, well, not in the last fight, but Mike Beltran is technically a local. Well, he's not a local judge. He's from California. So yeah, I take that back. Everything I just said. No local <laughs> judges gave the gave the eight. I'm wrong. <laughs> local judges don't do it, but the 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 ones with some experience out, outside they're doing. It. Yeah, Mike Beltran's from California. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know what it is. About these eights and nines and sevens that that's getting crisscrossed. Huh? See what I did there? Oh, look at you! I'm wearing my shirt forwards. Um, but whatever reason, every week I feel like not every week, but like several times this year, we've seen scenarios where he's just been completely out of step on the eights or nines, and and in some cases it's him, in some cases other judges where they're just they're correcting from earlier, later on, and it's almost like an overcorrection. That's one thing that. It seems like a lot of officials might need to be wary of. They're trying to correct. Be careful not to overcorrect. I can't tell them what to do, but I mean, the, the results are there. And, you know, maybe it's just food for thought. Yeah, I got nothing more to add to that. All right. You want to you talk about some more fights? Yeah, we got two more. Let's talk about a split decision. Okay. One that opened up the card. This is our only decision that we're actually talking about a round from. And it, di- it did happen to be a split decision. Veronica Hardy got the win over Jamie Lynn Horth via a split, like I said. 29-28s all around. Two for Hardy, one for Horth. Round two is our 
fulcrum. Yeah, this is the round I was talking about. I don't like to score. Okay. Uh, I, I, when you started talking about it, I had a feeling. So let's hear this. Let's, let's this talk really shouldn't be a split. Okay, uh, let's hear it. On the feet, Hardy's definitely, you know, winning. I don't think Horth landed anything in the first minute and a half. She can't, it was very aggressive, throwing some wild shots. None of them connected. When they start grappling is when Horth actually, you know, gets a little offense. Nothing great. Some knees, gets her to the ground, some punches. Uh, and then she stands up and gets wobbled with an upkick. I mean, Hardy definitely won on the feet. Horth didn't surpass her on the ground with her grappling. And then Horth gets rocked a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that's the right score, I think. Hardy. I think and, I'm with you. I, You know what? I knew how I scored this and I knew why I scored this. But I think when you frame it that way, I do agree with you that that is... That seems like the right way to go here. I thought it was maybe just a little closer before the upkick, but the upkick is easily the most significant thing of the whole round, like by a wide margin in a otherwise close round, if nothing else. Yeah, I would say I would say lower a lower successful output. Sure. But yeah, but let's let's just say for argument's sake, it's like almost dead even. Right. Which it could in theory be. Mm-hmm. That one, that kick, that up kick, oh, has it, to, it. it has to swing it. I think it absolutely yeah. has to swing it. So, so I am definitely with you here. Um, the only thing that makes any sense is not seeing that it landed. Maybe you had a different angle. Perhaps it's the only thing because it because yeah. it is one strike. It's literally the only strike that that matters. Now to miss it is pretty bad, right? It there might be justifications for it based on your angle, and maybe you're not watching the screen or whatever because the screen looks pretty clear, right? Um, but also you'd probably be able to hear the impact too. I'm, I'm speculating. I'm not there, but I would think you'd be able to hear the impact. I would think so. So I'm not it, sure. Yeah. I I, I would, never got to do it. No. I hope you get your day in the sun. One day. One day. But yeah, we'll, uh, we'll just say that I think Patrick Patlan and mm-hmm. Sal D'Amato were on the right end of this one, scoring mm-hmm. it for Hardy. Uh, Jacob Montalvo scored this one for Horth and I, yeah, I don't think it's a great score either. Do we add this to the list? We could put it on you the list. You want to put it on yeah, the list? Might as well. We're going to have to parse through this yeah. list soon. We're going to be not, talking about these in a couple weeks. It's not actually that long. Is that right? List. It's, it's like 20 rounds. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, it's when you say 20, it sounds long, but also when you figure it's like hundreds and hundreds, I think it's yeah. well over a thousand rounds we're talking about. It's really not that bad. Mm. It's actually a pretty good rate. Um, But hey, could always be better, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm. I think I'm with you. I think let's add it to the list. Okay. Not not a great score. Fortunately, didn't cost uh, Veronica Hardy the win. Who pointed out, by the way, at the end of her fight about damage and, yep. and all that being being a difference maker, her husband, Dan Hardy, has quite a good understanding, it seems, of the way fights are scored. He he takes an interest in making sure he understands it correctly. Someone in a fighter's corner knows what <laughs> I know, right? About. I know, right? Oh, um, so so hey, I, you know, credit to. Credit to their team in, in understanding that and kind of things. One more round here, my friend. This was, again, this was also in a finish. Dustin Stolzfus got the win over Punahele Soriano. Punahele Soriano. Try that again. Uh, round two submission. Another rear naked choke. It's also, also We're all talking about subs on this one. This is interesting. Hmm. So basically, if you had a split round or if you had a contested round, you probably went on to get a finish. Maybe you didn't, but probably by well, submission. Most likely. By submission. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Round one is is the round we're talking about because, of course, round two was when it ended. So what's going on? I thought it was a good back and forth round. Soriano whacked Stoltzfus early with a nice right that had him off balance. Uh, Throughout, he attacked the head, body, and legs really well. Uh, Stoltzfus kept it competitive, but I do think Soriano had the edge. Uh, At the bell, Soriano gets dropped, but he pops right back up. He wasn't rocked. I think Soriano landed the heavier, more effective blows on the whole. So that's why I went Soriano. 
Yeah, they're showing like that. They showed the numbers on the screen at one point, which obviously the judges don't have. But there is more activity, especially to to different targets coming from Stolzfus based on that particular, you know, unofficial number. But I still felt like every time it was Soriano landing and it, and they were critical of uh, of this on the on the broadcast. Like, oh, I can't can't just keep throwing that left like that. It's like, well, he can. It's, it's he working. Can, but I also it's working. He did a land light kicks. It's like, it's yeah, not, no, he's like he one. didn't for sure. That graphics at zero. But the, but that left hand in particular really was doing work. And mm-hmm. I think that's what won him this round. I think he really did enough here. It's close. It's close. They, enough. they both sting each other. Yeah. I just yeah. I just don't think that knockdown had him more hurt than he had when he walked uh, wobbled Stoltz was in the beginning of the round. I just think Soriano stings him more. That, but but it is that's certainly up for debate. So I yeah. I, just, I mean I I'm, I'm a, I, yeah. have, I felt pretty good about Soriano here. As as I was watching this round, I was almost like, really? Are we this this round? But it it was, it was competitive enough. It was just early on, especially Soriano was landing with so much impact. Yeah, and that knockdown knockdown does is a big moment. It's but, something for sure. But yeah. it's like he popped right up. He's like, yeah, let's go. I wonder if that was the moment that swung it for the local judges, Gino Garcia and Patrick Patlan. I don't know. Um, sure. It's okay. Mm. You know, that that's not a bad one. Um, but Mike Beltran was the one who got it for Soriano, just like you and me. So what does that mean for Judge Beltran? Catch that over. think that's your first. I think that's his first, too. <laughs> so he will take that home not to Texas, but to California. Yeah. Unless he moved to Texas, and I didn't know. That might be. But I'm going to say probably not. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't. I yeah. I got to figure it out. I'm gonna mail it out though. Yeah. Unless he has a forwarding address, in which case I just will end up having to blame the mail service anyway. Well, well and when I say blame point. the mail service because it's their fault, it's always their fault that you guys don't get your couch set overrides. That, yeah. That's true. It's not me. <laughs> and that's it. That was our four rounds. Um. Again, there were nine finishes here. A lot of finishes. Five by a KO or TKO. Four by submission. We already talked about three of them. Um. Four of these fights ended in the first round. You had a lot of choices, my friend. I had a feeling I knew what your favorite would be, but why don't you share it? It actually wasn't a slam dunk. No. I thought uh, Gooden also. Jared Gooden. Jared Gooden also, a former CFFC guy, um, had a really nice finish. Okay. Really nice uh, rear naked choke. But no, my favorite was Sean Brady camoring uh, a guy who wasn't even expected to fight tonight uh, in total dominating fashion, and he got the win. You never see a Kamora these days. It's true. So It's true. I'm going with that. I can't remember. Like I was trying to think about this. I, even as he was... Pulling it off, I'm like, oh, he's gonna get this. It's like it's really gonna happen because usually we, when we see a Kimura, it's not going to get that close, or it's like working toward a sweep, right? Yeah, but this one just, it just looked like it was done even before he got there. And I already had enough time to think to myself, I'm like, when is the last time we had one? And I don't, I don't know what that is. Actually. I was thinking maybe Paul, uh, Mr. Wonderful, with the one arm Kimura. We must have had some more recently. And then than I was, that. then I think back. I'm like, oh, maybe it's Frank Mir and, and Lil Nas. Uh, I think of the, I think of that one too. I think uh, that might have been more recent than the Mr. Wonderful. Really? Yeah, I do. I don't know that, but I think so. I mean, in the UFC, Kimura is not. I mean, Jim Miller will get the next one. Obviously, um, unless he gets an Plata. But yeah, that too. Yeah, maybe both. Kimura is so the, fun. The Kimura Plata. <laughs> <laughs> well, that Plata is a Kimura. I understand what it lay, is. I'm just but... saying. Just trying. If we can have fun it, here. If we can, uh, no, no, okay, okay. Hear me out. I am hearing you. Out. Someone with really long arms. Kamor is the other arm <laughs> while you're in an omoplata. So like, like Jalen Turner, he might if he can, he can get the Kamor plata. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So should you give him a really short guy? Mm. Maybe that would be fun. <laughs> Although maybe a shorter guy would be more. Wide. I don't know. Um, maybe they both need long, long limbs. Yeah, that might help. That might help. Yeah, a bunch of bunch of spiders going at each other. Yeah. 
Um, he's the tarantula, of course. Yeah, that was, that was definitely a good finish. I, I like that one. And yours? Well, since I wasn't going to pick that one, but I could have. Drakkar Close. One of the two slam KOs. Mm-hmm. He got it on Joe Selecki, and I think his was even better than Corey Brundage, uh, who did it to Zachary Reese like one fight later, yep. which was insane. And also insane is the fact that they were talking about the Rampage Slam from Pride <laughs> during the curtain jerker between Hardy and Horse. They just randomly brought this up, and then a couple fights later, we get two slam KOs. Like they said it was the 13th and 14th mm. in UFC history. You gotta manifest it. it they did. They obviously did. There was a, there was a little bit of uh, supernatural there. Mm. But that was great. That was because they you know they brought up the fact that usually when you see that slam KO, it's on like the back of the head, and in this case. Close actually managed to slam Selecki's head down on, like, the temple. So it just, like, shook his brain from side to side mm-hmm. this time. And it was, he was very out. That was amazing. Yeah, there was people joking that they forgot to put an extra layer of padding underneath the canvas. Maybe they did. <laughs> <laughs> what if they did? <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, I, I guess I like slams because they're rare. Sure. But it's also, like, you don't know how to escape an armbar, dude. You gotta resort to these untechnical ways just picking a guy up and slamming him but what if you just have faith in that ability to do that what if it's just that i i feel you're gonna lose an arm and be out for a while eventually well, it depends how much it's really like, in. so hey um, it does but to be honest it's like their first resort is just pick him up and slam him it's like the first thing they think of can i ask you something yeah did it work i said it worked <laughs> i said it worked i know i know but again I hear you. I hear you as a jujitsu practitioner. I I get it. I do. But I mean, sometimes yeah. these things just work. Falls in it falls into the punch and then of the people, category. But then there's the people who say jujitsu doesn't work because of all all things like this. Yeah. And then Chase Hooper's posting. He's like, no, you, you do this when this. Happens. I saw he cha- that like, Chase posted that, which is fair and and, and nice and yeah. educational. Good good on Chase uh, to do do that. Spread the word. No one will read it though. They're just gonna try and slam next time. No, of course. Yeah. Gonna, bam. Bam. Look, if it leads to more arm bars, are you going to be that mad? No. No, I didn't think so. But if it means fighters fight less, yeah, because of that. What do you mean? They break their arm, they're going to fight less. Oh, well, yeah, but, you know, there's like 7,000 people on the UFC roster. They don't really care. Mm. They're just bumping. They truly don't care, actually. They're They're literally yeah. just like cattle. Yeah. Interchangeable I, cattle. I think... Back, circling, and all those documents that were leaking yeah. kind of made, made that very clear. Circling all the way back to that, Yeah. Lorenzo Fertitta came out the best. He's like, no, don't cut Nog. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and, and I mean, for goodness sake, like, I think a lot of people have understand, like, Lorenzo not being there has changed the way the product looks. Mm. And it's changed the way the roster looks. And it's changed the makeup of the the focus on having the best people. Mm-hmm. It, it certainly looks from the outside that Lorenzo was the one who was pushing it to be most like sport. Yeah, because now now it's sign everybody and whoever sticks sticks. Yeah, try to find that you know whatever whatever's there. And look, it's really nice that that they they do have a pathway to f- identify some prospects and try to lure prospects their way so they do in fact get the bright talent to come in through their doors. Mm-hmm. It's just nice. Like it's, it's it's really smart on them for a lot of reasons, and you know it's led to bringing in some great talent like Jamal Hill who. You know, had a fight with his brother. Yeah. We're, not, we're not getting into that one. But uh, they found some really good talent through that. Sean O'Malley as well. It, it's a good pathway. But they, they have, I think, over-focused on it too much to build their roster solely around guys who are on 12-12 deals from that show. Or 10-10. and And it, it's bloated the roster greatly. It's bloated events greatly. This one, fortunately, only had 12 fights on it. 12 is like a good number. 12 is like the, the throwback, like, usual number that they would hit. 
We've had too many that are like 13, 14. And sometimes it just gets a little exhausting, especially when you put the heavyweights on there. Especially when they go overseas, I feel they have the bigger, longer cards. Yeah, they, I think that's get true. more fighters on it. How many times did they go the overseas area? the last like four years now? So yeah. They don't really do it anymore, except for Fight Island and, and Australia. No, and now England like a little bit. If but... they do a Dublin card, I feel it's going to be like 16 cards, 16 fights. There's not. A, they like, don't have like, that many Irish fighters anymore. No, but they got a lot of people from the UK. In that sure. area that they're going to, you know, oh, fight close to home. Mm-hmm. Maybe they should make a UFC international champions series to go with Bellator. International oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Series. Do the international That'd series be cool. for sure. They should do that because that's the, really the greatest way to do it. Just to, and it would be UFC you know, ICS. Yes. You, everyone would call it UFC ICS. <laughs> USI, UFC you got, ICS. You guys want man. just like DWCS, right? Yeah. Day one contender series. The contender. The contender. Yeah, the contender, like like Mike calls it. I like that actually. Yeah. I mean they had a cont- the contender, which was the boxing show on ESPN way back. Mm-hmm. Sugar Ray Leonard was on it, right? I don't remember that show, actually. You don't remember I had a buddy who was really into that one. Okay. I didn't watch it myself. I think Stallone might have been involved too. Wow. If I'm not mistaken. But I, I didn't watch it. Um anyway, I think we're probably done talking about UFC Austin, which again, I think all things considered, yeah, we added a fight to it and yeah, we wrung our hands over eight nines, but really could have been worse. Could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot worse. Let's move on to the coming weekend. UFC Vegas 83, which is not UFC Shanghai, notably, which is what they were, I think, originally planning to do for this one. Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, you just dropped a bomb on me. Surprise. Oh, thank God. <laughs> okay, we got normal timed fights. Well, it's it's still late for a fight night, but it's also like a normal late or 10 o'clock start. It is six fights on the... Uh, actually, I think right now they only have five fights planned on the main card, so it should wrap around like uh, 12.30. Yeah, the main card that has no distinction when you put the, the prelims on, it just rolls right into it. Fact. Yeah. Fact. Um, <laughs> but the main event, at least, is something. that There's a definitive I like the there. main event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Song Dong, Chris Gutierrez, 135. This is like another one of... It's it's not quite in that championship mix, but it's like just outside of it. Especially in Song Dong's case, who realistically looked very good against... Corey Sanhagen until that cut was disgusting and he had to stop. Yeah, that wasn't nasty. He nasty he had cut. to. I mean, we I think we remember that when we had to. We were both saying, or at least I was. Probably should have been stopped around earlier. I forget my feelings on that. I I, I was pretty <laughs> clear. I think I'm pretty clear about mine. Um, but hey, someone correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I don't remember everything in my life. But <laughs> but yeah, I think I think he especially is in that mix. But if Chris Gutierrez gets the win here too, I mean, shoot, he's he's very much. A guy who looks the part of a top 10 bantamweight to me. Maybe there's too many top 10 bantamweights and that's why he's too far down. But he's a really good fighter. His kicks are incredible. His leg kicks. Um, I'm curious to see what he can do. Song Yudong, though, is really good. Song Yudong is very good. He's got a lot of losses, but he's still so young. I feel like part of that's just he kind of got pushed too fast because he's so good. He beat Marlon Vera. Yeah, he did beat Marlon Vera, who was fighting for the title. If you don't that I just found that out. That you just found out on air. <laughs> um, this is, of course, being in Vegas instead of China. We'll have Nevada judges. That's good. That's always fun. Um, there's some decent other fights on this card, especially for an Apex card. Uh, Anthony Smith stepping in on late notice to fight Khalil Roundtree Jr. at 205. Yeah, I'm more, I'm more on it for Khalil Roundtree. I mean, Anthony Smith, I've soured on him ever since he's been an analyst. <laughs> Why is that? I, I just don't like the way... Anything really? You don't like his analysis. I, I thought he was so cringe when he was trying to pick that fight with John Jones. When he, I think they were still on Fox at that point. I don't remember. He's like, he's like, I'm next, John, or blah blah. blah. And then John's like, Anthony, shut up. <laughs> and then they got into the just stupid argument. 
and ever since then I've soured on I will, Anthony Smith. I will say because I don't remember that distinctly, but I definitely remember Paul Felder was angling for fights a little bit when he was still an active fighter, which apparently he's planning a comeback. Yeah, he's fighting Jim. Um, Jim's got one warm up fight, and then at three hundred he's gonna waffle Felder. What are you talking about? You said he was gonna fight for the title. You're he's supposed me. to fight for the title, but they're not gonna let him. Oh, fair enough. Um, Joe Silva's here, but said my no. my point was that Felder used to do something similar to that. And I have to think, because we haven't seen that anymore, I have to think that probably these fighters have been instructed, hey, no. <laughs> and I think part of it was because there were some fighters who, who were kind of like, yo, what the heck? Like, they get this platform to do this, and I don't, you know? Mm-hmm. So it just seemed like too much of a career advantage, so I wonder if that was part of it. But we're neither here nor there. Do you like this fight, though, Smith and Roundtree? No, I think Roundtree should win. Okay. I really, I, I tell, I, I'm, 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 Anthony Smith is not my, on my team. Yeah, but, but you can still be interested in the fight. I mean, he's, he's, he brings the action. Does he? Yeah, he's been in some good fights. Slow and plodding. Eh, I think Cleo Roundtree's going to chew him up. Well, oftentimes he finds himself in uh, 10-8s and 10-7 rounds, so yeah. that's, that's fun for our show. That makes it fun, yeah, yeah. determining 10s uh, and 8s. How, how, uh, how about Andre Muniz against uh, the Iron Turtle, John Young Park? Yeah, that, that should be a pretty good one. My favorite nickname. <laughs> I love it. I Iron love it. Turtle. I, I wish that there was a Ninja Turtles character named the Iron Turtle. Speaking of the Iron Turtle. Oh, I thought you were talking Ninja Turtles. Then you really had me. All right, what do you got? Speaking of the Iron Turtle, they announced Game of Thrones, uh, the House of Dragons coming back next summer. What does that have to do with the other? The Iron Turtle. I thought of the Iron Throne, and that's how my brain works. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) At least I understand it now. But I like that fight. I I like Muniz and Park. Muniz still stunned me. I thought he was, like, really on the verge of, of exploding, and that obviously did not happen. I but... mean, well, when you break Jacare's arm. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It really impressed me, and then it just didn't happen for him, but John Young Parko, I, I, he's a tough dude, and he's got a great nickname, so I like that fight. Um, Tatsuro Tyra I also like against Carlos Hernandez. Tyra's mm. definitely a good prospect at 125. I like him a lot. He's undefeated. Yeah. You think he will be after this one? Yeah. All right. Every time I see the name Carlos Hernandez, I think he must have been a catcher. I don't mean this one, but there was a, there must be another Carlos Hernandez that I'm thinking of along the way who was like a decent catcher. Carlos Hernandez. There probably was a catcher. Try him out in uh, Immaculate Grid. I'm a little upset about Immaculate Grid. <laughs> yeah. Baseball was very easy. I, I flubbed one, something because I tried too hard. But I, I One of I, them I was upset recently about. I can't remember. Uh-huh. But I was upset about it. Yeah. Well, we, no one knows what we're talking about. So, we, uh, Were there any other fights you wanted to see, by the way? Of the ones I highlighted here, um, not really. Yeah, that's a decent card for for Apex. It's okay. Yeah. Well, it's pro- probably because they were also trying not to have it at Apex. <laughs> <laughs> so anytime they import a card that did, that was supposed to go somewhere else, it ends up here. It's like, yeah, it's not so bad. <laughs> um, and then I highlighted uh the contested rounds candidate to be uh Randos Santos against Talita Alencar. This is at one fifteen, but I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Randos Santos is the one who just won uh, Invicta's atomweight title off of Jillian Corsi. Oh, she got signed. She so got fast. signed. And, yeah, she moved up. Um, so she's little, yeah. for, especially for this weight class. But she brings violence. That that said, I don't. I'm always leery of someone going up from one hundred five to one fifteen. It's like, are they gonna carry that finishing she power? Get, that's or, a big jump. It is a big jump. It's a lot of percentage of body weight. So. I have to think it's going to end up going to the cards. And percentage-wise, I mean, shoot, a lot of strawweight fights get split rounds. It's just the way it goes. Actually, you know, Jamin Malarkey would be pretty interesting. Him and Nasra Hawk Pross. That is a good fight. You know what? So. I like that one, too. I, I definitely overlooked that one. So, good call. And that does it. 
We're coming back next Monday to break down these fights that are now in Las Vegas. And I think pretty much everything UFC related the rest of the way is in Las Vegas before they, they go on their little uh, month-long hiatus. Yeah, we got, we got two more weekends of fights, and that's it. What are we going to do? What after that? We got stuff. We'll figure it out. Have some pizza. Thanks for listening. Take care, y'all.